Hey, howdy, space nerds. As always, thanks for your support. This podcast is fueled by you, and you can help top off our tanks by checking out some of our merchandise. Pick up your very own Are We There Yet mission patch. You can get it at wmfe.org slash patch. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast so we can get more people exploring space exploration with us. All right, on to the show. From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Like all planets, the Earth and Mars orbit the Sun, but they do it at different speeds. Earth orbits about twice as fast as Mars, so every two years or so, they catch up to each other. The Mars opposition is happening at the end of this month and means Mars and the Sun are on opposite sides of the Earth giving an up-close view of the red planet. But this time, it'll be the closest it's ever been in 15 years. To talk more about this event, I invited my good friend Derek Demeter to the podcast. He's an astronomer, astrophotographer, and the director of Seminole State College Planetarium here in Central Florida. Derek, thanks for speaking with us. Of course, glad to be here. So you're excited about Mars opposition, and you want me to be excited about the Mars opposition. Why are we excited about the Mars opposition? Well, first off, uh, the Mars opposition is the best opposition since 2003. So I don't know if you remember back in 2003, there was this whole big deal about Mars being close, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, various different astronomy institutions were you know going crazy about it, and people come and take a look at Mars through the telescope. That's basically what's going, that's what's going to happen in late July. So uh, essentially, uh, this is the most optimal time to view Mars through a telescope. So it's big enough to where you can actually see surface features on the planet, including the you know the polar ice caps, some of the larger um, you know basins on Mars. Mm-hmm. It gives you actually a sense you're actually looking at a planet instead of like just a little tiny red dot. Really, that's that's close. It's it's pretty close. I mean. it's... I don't know if you remember those emails that came out years ago about Mars being closer or being as big as the full moon this mm-hmm. day. It's not going to be anywhere near that. I mean, it's still going to look like a fairly small object through a telescope, but it's big enough for us to actually see it mm-hmm. uh, visually through a telescope and some of the surface details and things like that. Now, what is technically an opposition? So an opposition is basically – so it comes from an old astronomy terminology where – the planet or a star or something, what it is, is opposite of the sun in the sky. So at that, on the date of uh, July 27th of this year, Mars will be directly in the opposite, opposite of the sun, hence the term opposition. When it comes to the orbital elements of the planet, uh, opposition is where Mars and Earth are closest, and essentially Mars is on the, op- on the opposite side of the sun relationship to the Earth. So that's kind of basically what it is. So you told me that almost like a high-definition look of the surface of Mars, we're looking through a telescope, right? I mean, t- tell me about what it was like seeing that for the first time when, when you looked through a telescope and saw Mars in opposition. So I was at the Orlando Science Center back in 2003 for the Mars opposition, and I remember it was crazy. I mean, we had thousands and thousands of people, people trying to get into the building and uh, but when it came to, you know, at the time I was, you know, the 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 Science Center has their observatory and I was looking through their telescope and, you know, it's just incredible. You actually could see clouds and other features on Mars that you know, actually look like Mars. When you see Mars, you know, the Hubble Space Telescope images or, you know, mm-hmm. some of these satellite images we get from Mars, it actually looked like that. And I had a better connection to it opposed to, you know, last couple of years we looked at Mars through a telescope. It's really like a tiny little red dot, you know, you don't really... You know it's a planet because it doesn't look like a star through a telescope, but 
at the same time, this it's like, wow, actually you see things that you normally don't get to see. Mm-hmm. And that's – it was just cool to be able to – you know, this is a potent, this is a world that we're going to eventually make our way mm-hmm. to, which is really, really exciting. So you could see clouds on yeah. the surface in 2003? You can even see uh, dust storms. There was, a, there was a big dust storm that occurred on the planet, and uh, you could actually see over time uh, the dust slowly – creeping over the surface and uh, eventually it just looks like a fuzzy red ball because of all the dust covering the planet. It was really cool to be able to like watch that happen. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as an astronomer and someone who does a lot of public outreach, you get to see people looking through scopes, uh, sometimes for the first time ever. I mean, walk me through what it's like to see someone who, who sees something like this for the first time. Anytime somebody looks at, you know, the planets, the moon... Usually it's the moon that people look at the first time, and we want to blow them away with it. So we use the best eyepieces, the biggest telescope. We get zoomed in there. So we're looking at one major crater or some valley or something like that, and they're blown away by it. I mean, they, there's something beautiful about people looking at it with their eyes. There's this, there's this connection that you get. Even though you see much better pictures online of you know the plants like Mars, if they actually see it and they, they see it with their eyes and they're there's this connection, um, just like when we go see a, a movie or a play. There's just something about being there and existing mm-hmm. at the time. So usually the reaction is just, "Oh my goodness!" I like you need to come. You know, they they call their friends. They're like, "They need you need to come over here and take a look at this seriously." And then, you know, and then they look through it and they're like, "Whoa!" Especially the kids. The kids are just incredibly excited to look at it because you know it's, they actually see something. You know that they that they heard about in school or you know in TV or whatever, and they're actually seeing it. So, I mean, but you know, it's funny too. Sometimes you get those people they are like, you know, they're walking across. Let's say if we do a telescope viewing at like a a sidewalk astronomy event where we just set up a telescope at a downtown or shopping area or whatever, and we tell them, hey, you want to come and take a look at the planet Mars or planet Jupiter or whatever it is. And at first they're kind of skeptical. They're like, eh, not really. But I'm like, no, no, trust me, it's it's really cool. And they finally give in and they come over, and then they look at it and they're like. Holy, you know, and sometimes it gets a little, you know, you have to censor yourself a little bit. But uh, essentially, uh, they they, they just were shocked that they, you know, they think that it was just going to look like a tiny little dot. They don't realize, you know, the the telescope and the eyepieces can, you know, magnify it to the point where we can actually see some detail, which, Mm -hmm. you know, they just don't think about that. Especially when you look at the moon, you know, again, the moon is incredible and, um, you know, there's something, there's a connection to it, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about space flight. You know, the moon is important because you know, people gone, went to the moon. So, again, there's that connection. We actually explored that place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we hope the same thing with some of the other planets that mm-hmm. we show. I hate to admit it, but I had never seen Saturn through a telescope until I came out to one of your events. And it was just a bunch of amateur astronomers out there with, with their uh, their telescopes. And, and one of the people in your astronomy club showed me Saturn. And it was pretty much the coolest thing i've ever seen you could see the rings clearly and and it was it's it's mind-boggling to know that that's you know a celestial body that's millions and millions and millions of miles away that we're able to take a look at uh with the naked eye it's 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 just wild saturn is great because you can actually see the ring structure and you can see the cassini division which is this gap in the rings and you can sometimes see some cloud structure in the planet you know, and and and, that, and Saturn's great because it looks like Saturn. Yeah. You know, it's that traditional, you know, stereotypical, you school, yeah, right? planet with the ring around it. And so, 
you know, you really connect with it, definitely. And Jupiter is great, too, because when you actually can see the great red spot, you know, mm-hmm. a large weather system on the planet, you know, th- then people are like, wow, that, that looks like Jupiter. And you see the moons and it's just, just a lot of just things that just connect with people. It, it's a much – I usually when we do our outreaches, I usually don't focus on the galaxies and star clusters because people don't connect to those as much. When it comes to the planets and the moon, it just people just eat it up. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the the first person to kind of have that experience, right? Um, tell me about the first person that that spotted Mars through a telescope. What was that like? Well, the first person to really do extensive research on Mars um, was Percival Lowell. Uh, he was an astronomer that lived in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Uh, built the Lowell Observatory, which is in Flagstaff, Arizona, um, and he was the first person to really document. Um, you know, features on, on Mars. Uh, and that's kind of where we got a lot of the inspiration for H.G. Wells, you know, World of the Worlds, because mm-hmm. he talked about there were these canales, which are, were basically channels, or or he saw these, like, these lines on Mars almost look like artificial or, you know, uh, river or canals uh, that kind of sparked this interest that maybe Mars has life. And uh, not only with H.G. Uh, Wells' uh, you know, um, War of the Worlds, but also the uh, Mars Chronicles and uh, John Carter and the whole Adventures mm-hmm. to Mars, the Princess on Mars and all that stuff that kind of came out of this whole, you know, explosion on Mars. Uh, but he was really interested in in learning about the planet Mars and, 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 and really for the longest time, Mars being so small as it was, you know, a lot of the telescopes just didn't have the resolution to look at, at Mars really good. But um, Percival Lowell has had a 100-inch Clark refractor, and that telescope was good enough to actually look at the surface on Mars. What does that mean, 100-inch? So the 100 inches, so, uh, so a refractor telescope uses a series of lenses opposed to mirrors, which most modern-day uh, telescopes use because uh, you can build them really, really large. Uh, refractors, glass gets really heavy, and you have to have a very long focal length. So these things are huge, and you you have a limiting factor on how you can build them. But they provide better res- better visibility for planetary viewing. Uh, so a uh, hundred inches, the diameter of the of the glass. So a hundred inches in diameter is the um, size of the glass that allows the telescope to do its job. That's massive. That's it's huge. Massive, yeah. And when you actually and I got a chance to actually see the refractor a couple of years ago and it is it is a huge telescope. <laughs> you know, but there's this platform that you could sit on almost like it has a seat and you you move all you do all the controls manually and you move the telescope and you know it, it it's it's really really cool. Mm-hmm. How did he know where to look? Uh, I mean the nice thing about planets uh, when you look at planets in the sky, first off, uh, the one one thing that we use in the planetarium is that a planet doesn't twinkle like stars do. So there's a few objects in the sky that you can notice. But uh, the word planet actually comes from the Greek word planetes, which means wanderer. So there are these objects in the sky, like you know, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, that actually move because they're orbiting around the sun. And so their position in the sky changes throughout the year. Mars being closer to the sun changes a lot faster than, say, Jupiter or Saturn. And uh, so you notice, you know, you, you and and then Mar- and these planets have been known by ancient people. You know, when you when actually you say like, who's the first person who saw it? I'm some some guy looking up at the sky and going, oh, that you know, it's the god of war, which is of course where we get the the name Mars from, is mm-hmm. from the mythological god of war. Um, you know, because of the color, because it has a very kind of orangey, sometimes red appearance to it. Um, and there's actually a star in the sky called Antares, which is actually s- seen in the sky during this time of year as well, which is interesting because when we, if, you know, you know, when we have our viewings, 
the, both of those objects are going to be up. And literally Antares means not Mars. So <laughs> so the ancients actually made that name Antares, basically Mars, not, not, not Mars. Not Mars. Not, and, and both of them are up around the same part of the sky. So you're not going <laughs> to – you have to make sure that, you know, which one's Mars or which one's not mm. Mars. So – um, so he knew, you know, based on his is the understanding of the planets mm-hmm. and you know the motion of the planets and things mm-hmm. like that. Now, did he have to wait for an opposition to to kind of make these observations, or or was that hundred inch refractor big enough for him to kind of see what what he needed to see? I mean, it definitely didn't. It definitely helped during opposition, okay. and oppositions happen every two years or so. However, the distance from Mars does change mm-hmm. uh, from time to time. So this year we're actually much closer than we were last year, but or two years ago. Uh, so yeah, usually you you want to make your your best observations during opposition. But yeah, I'm sure with the hundred inch refractor, you know anything's going to look good, mm-hmm. <laughs> even you know uh, even if it's a little bit further away. Now you said it happens every two years, and that that kind of reminds me of something we've talked about on this program before. That you know a, a window to get a payload or a spacecraft or or something to Mars happens every two years. So that, that has something to do with, with it, right? Yeah. So another another teaching tool that we can talk about with the Mars opposition is is space flight. So you would want to launch you would want to get a spacecraft to Mars when it's closest to the Earth because A you're you're conserving, you know, fuel and, and you know and, and the amount of time it takes and all that stuff. Um, so when we you know when we're talking about Mars opposition, we talk about that that, you know, Every two years, you want to you want to plan your Mars your Mars you know launches during that time. And so usually, all the major rovers and and spacecraft that gone to Mars mm-hmm. usually have launched during an opposition because a, a few weeks ago we launched few, Insight right? exactly. Yeah. We launched Insight, so it makes a lot of sense to launch a spacecraft uh, when it's closest to the planet. Um, so so yeah, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing that you know we you know. As a teaching tool, that you know, what's the benefit of opposition? Well, that's the time when we want to take, you know, we mm-hmm. want to plan our missions. So engineers and scientists that are going to be working on missions, especially when kids come to the planetarium, they can learn that. So that way, um, you know, if they become an engineer and it wants to help build a mission to Mars, they have an understanding of, oh, we got to, you know, send it out two years or every two years or so. Or maybe those kids will be the ones going to Mars, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. So with the Mars opposition coming up in July What's the best way to to see it, Derek Demeter? How, how can I just look in the backyard, or do I need to go find someone like you with a really cool telescope? Well, you can definitely, you know, I encourage people, even if you don't, you know, you can go out in your backyard, you look to the south, uh, probably around 10 o'clock at night, you'll see the planet Mars rising in the southeast. Um, you can use one of your star apps that you have on your phone. There's plenty of d- different star uh, viewing apps, looking at Mars and the planets, you can view them visually naked eye, mm-hmm. but they're going to look like stars. If you want to see the the detail and all that, you, you have to look at the telescope. So if you have your own telescope, mm-hmm. uh, this would be a great time to, to you know take it out and and look at it. What if you don't live here in Central Florida or have your own telescope? Uh, well, there's um there's different or, there's the Astronomical League. Um, you can look them up. I don't remember their web address at the moment, but if you do type in Google Astronomical League. Uh, they have a list of all the different astronomical groups in the area, and then you can then you find out what region you're in, and then maybe they'll have a link to their website, and they'll probably have information about it. Um, you know, might want to check your local science centers or observatories nearby, see if they're doing any event, you know, 
I'm sure uh, right now there's a lot of different venues looking mm-hmm. to do something like Cause that. Because this, this is a big event, right? This, this is a this, big this event, This is the yes. closest it's been since 2003, since right? 2003, exactly. And this is going to give us – and right now, I mean, I've looked at Mars recently and even before, you know, it's it's looking really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's, it's definitely going to improve until we get mm-hmm. to the 27th of July. So uh, this is a – you know, this is a great time, a great time for people to see the planet that we're hoping to go in the next yeah. couple of decades. So Now, Derek Demeter, you are a astrophotographer as well. Will you be using this opportunity to, to photograph Mars? Well, yeah, we're actually uh, we're going to be um, doing a couple of this is with our uh, astronomy group, um, members of the astronomy group. So if you're interested in joining, uh, you can look up uh, CFAS.org, CFAS.org. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing is training sessions uh, as we get approach to the time of the Mars viewing. We're actually going to be doing some training on on imaging the planets. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll most likely have a, a telescope set up around then to uh, do some imaging, and uh, hopefully, I'll have some mm-hmm. cool pictures to show. Now, these events bring all walks of life. I've been to quite a few of the ones that that you've organized and and I've seen throughout the country. Um, between you know kids and older people and and anyone in between comes out i mean what what's why is it so important that people see these things with their own eyes and and go out to one of these outreach events instead of say looking at images on the web I mean, there's great images on the web yeah <laughs> but and they're, they're really really good and especially some of the mars reconnaissance orbiter images or maven images mm-hmm. some really great stuff and, and of course you know with the uh with curiosity on the surface and getting mm-hmm. these high definition panoramas i think again a lot of it has to do with you know why do we go travel to places because we want to we experience it with our our own eyes and senses and uh to be able to actually look through an eyepiece and see it through your own eyes there's just something magical about that mm-hmm. um and uh it, even though it's not necessarily the greatest view compared to what we get from spacecraft and all that, it, I think people need that. That I want to. I want to. I want to mm-hmm. experience it for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and uh, you can tell that because you know, like the, like the eclipse, people get really super excited about it. Uh, we had fifteen thousand people at the college that day. That was bonkers, and that yeah. was a partial eclipse, yeah. let alone a total eclipse. So twenty forty five here in Central Florida, it's going to mm-hmm. be a big deal. That's when we're going to have a total eclipse, and uh, it, there's just some. You know, you can watch. A live stream of it on TV, but it's not the same. You mm-hmm. want to go out and actually put the glasses on, or in this case with Mars, you want to look at Mars through a telescope. And and uh, you know, people, you know, I think that motivated people to go to the moon mm-hmm. and uh, build a space room because you know they got to see satellites with their own eyes traveling across. It. There's a spacecraft up there, or looking at the moon through a telescope. You know, inspired them to you know want to go to the moon. And I think. You know, we hope that we can achieve that with with the Mars opposition, getting the young kids and future generations to see this and be inspired. That will eventually be the ones that will mm-hmm. a work on missions and go to Mars. Mm-hmm. Final question for you, Derek Demeter. Um, you know, if someone does go out to one of these events, um, at a, whether it be a science center or a telescope night to to view the opposition, what's one tip that you have um, when approaching that eyepiece? Where, where should where should an observer's mind go? What should they be thinking about when, when they step up to the scope? Excitement. Like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be looking at Mars. But for little kids, we always tell parents, you know, make sure your kids aren't going to grab the telescope. Uh, you know, shake it, move it around. Shake it, move <laughs> it around. Uh, that's definitely usually you could see the kids, they, they, they come and grab it. Uh, that actually can uh, damage the telescope. 
But uh, what I tell people, I'm like, just have fun and just be awed by the beauty of our universe. That's what you should be thinking. You should be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to see something that's, you know, you know, six, you know, between, you know, right now, fifty to sixty million miles. And you're looking at this thing with my eyes, mm-hmm. and this is a place that humans are eventually going to step foot on. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier, you're an astrophotographer. Do you want to plug where people can see some of your photos? As far as uh, the best way to get my, to see my stuff is uh, my Instagram. So it's capturing underscore the underscore cosmos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my Instagram name. You can uh, I post all my astro photos on there, and uh, definitely uh, you know follow me and. Follow me on my astrophotography adventures. It's gorgeous images that oh, that you put out there. Thank They're you. just incredible. To and see. I haven't even posted half of my stuff. I'm you know because I'm staggering it and get, you know, but uh, I'll be adding more as the time comes. Wonderful. We've been speaking with Derek Demeter. He's an astronomer and the director of the Emil Bueller Planetarium at Seminole State College here in Central Florida. Derek, thank you so much for speaking with us. My pleasure. Anytime. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more space news online at WMFE.org slash space. What do you want to hear from this podcast? You can help shape the next show. Send me a story idea or a question you have. Email me at arewetheryet at WMFE.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at AWTYMars. Are we there yet, Mars? Get it? Or you can tweet me. I'm at SpaceBrendan. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.